Welcome to the Financial Flossing Podcast with Ross Brannan, guiding dental professionals to a brighter future. Ross Brannan is a financial advisor who knows it's not just about your teeth. He helps dental practice owners protect and maximize today's cash flow to plan for tomorrow's cash needs. Find him at rossbrannan.com. On the show, he brings together experts to help dental professionals looking to make smart money decisions to grow their income, turn their retirement goals into reality, and improve their lives. And now, here's your host, Ross Brannan. Welcome to the show. My guest today is Lorianne Isaacson. Lorianne is CEO of Personnel Matters, a company in the greater Tampa Bay area that she started in 2009. She and her team empower companies to take charge of their people and operation. Lorianne serves clients in lots of different industries, but today we're going to ask her to zero in on the dental profession and give our listeners her take on some of the challenges she's out there. Lorianne, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ross. It's great to be here. Thank you. So let's get started. You know, you and I, we, we've talked a little bit and you say on your website and you've said to me personally, far too many business owners spend too much time in the minutiae of their organization and working reactively rather than proactively. Kind of talk, explain that a little bit for us. Okay. So, you know, most, most of, uh, you know, the doctors are in, in their business. They're in the mouths of the patients. They're working constantly to to serve their patients and then maybe a few hours a week they may get their head up above water and actually look around and see what's going on and don't ever have the planning stages in with the company so then whatever situation day-to-day comes up they're reacting to it rather than going okay what do i need to build how do i need to get it there so this is the typical, as we hear it, working in your business versus on your business challenge. Is that correct? That's correct. That's correct. And, you know, because you're a, a healthcare provider, a dentist in this situation, you're seeing a patient. And so you almost don't have time to really pull your head up unless you're very intentional about it because you're with a patient hands-on. It's very different than, say, a construction company versus a healthcare situation, a healthcare company. So this sounds like it's probably a bigger issue in the healthcare world and specifically with the dental world we're talking about here. Is that fair? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I work with many different practices uh, in the healthcare industry. And one thing I will tell you, and of any business owner, the reason they became a business owner is because they thought they could do it better than working for someone else. And that, that is very true. Most of the time they can do it better, right? But what happens is, is you get uh, a dentist when he's not in a patient's mouth, that's lost income. So what they do is they end up bringing on an office manager who hopefully is incredible. And then the office manager manages all the day-to-day affairs of the office. But what's to say if the office manager never understands what the dentist as a business owner wants, because he has two different roles. He's a dentist, but he's also a business owner. And the business owner aspect of the the hat drops out because it's not making immediate money. So this kind of goes into that, what I call owning a job or owning a business. If all you do is put your hands in people's mouths, which is what you're trying to do, you own a job. If you don't have the systems that you're talking about, you own a job. If you do have those systems, you're creating a business. And I know people, because they've had those systems in place, have been able to sell their practice 
for a very high multiple versus those who don't have their systems who can't sell for near the multiple. Is that what you've experienced and seen as well? A hundred percent, a hundred percent every single time. The practice has to become system dependent, not people dependent. I mean, we know in this current day and age right now, uh, you know, hiring somebody at minimum wage or even $15, $18 an hour, they're, they're coming and going. The average cost of replacing an employee is between $8,000 to $16,000. You know? Whoa, so, whoa. Break yeah. that down. Explain that to me. Break that okay. down. Good. So if you have an employee that comes in, let's say you're hiring them at $15 an hour, right? And then they're... What the industry standard right now is, is a, a, a low paying job. They'll stick, stick around maybe six to eight months and then they're off to find the next dollar an hour. Right. So now they're looking for $16 an hour, or $18 an hour. Right. So every time you lose them, 16% of annual salary for high turnover, low paying jobs earning under $30,000 a year costs the employer $3,328 per employee. Now, how does it cost that? Is that from- Recruiting and hiring costs, all your administrative costs, the time that it took to orient the new employee to get them trained. A lot of the training is done verbally. Then there's just the lost productivity of somebody you know, having to train that, let's take the front desk, right? Because that's a, an area where there's high turnover or doctor's assistance. So every time a, doc, a doctor has a new assistant, now he has to train them how he wants his tools organized, how he wants the room sanitized, you name it. So that's all lost time. Then there's lost expertise and then a potential customer or client dissatisfaction, right? So is the solution just to pay them more on the front end or something else? No, absolutely not. It's all about employee engagement and really creating an atmosphere. Most employees, when they're hired, if they're not given the time of day and trained how to do their job, they're already off looking for another job. So are you saying that you shouldn't just throw them a, uh, a pen or a legal pad and say, figure it out? That's right. You've got to have the tools in place. You've got to document it. Some There's a lot of dentists out there that have some form of documentation of certain policies and procedures. You do have an employee handbook, but the employee handbook is just, this is what we expect of you as an employee. The how to do the job is the key. So front desk is how do you want them to treat the patients? Obviously, there's common sense, but you want to build this practice of how you've imagined it, how you dreamt it. So having the policies there and the procedures of doing that makes that possible. So you you mentioned that they hope the office manager is an Mm -hmm. all-star. How how often is the office manager an all-star? And it sounds like it's critical that if they're not the all-star, you have to turn them into the all-star because they're running things. That's right. So most office managers, when when you're hiring for an office manager, it could be it could be your spouse, you know, as as a dentist, a lot of times. See that a lot. That's very, very common. But let's think about this. Let's say we have a office manager who is an all-star, who is not your spouse. And they've been with you 11, 12 years. And their husband gets the lifetime dream job offer in a different state. And she's like, listen, I've I've got to go. I'm giving you guys six weeks notice, if you're lucky. And I'm, I'm moving on. 
a lot of times the, the clinic's going to just crumble. I mean, you're going to have serious loss income there, or you're now going to have to hire a new office manager, and you're going to hope that, that all, the one that's transferring out gives all of the information, you know, and what, what is truly priority. And most of the times that's going to be done verbally. And when, when it's done verbally, you lose the importance of things. Well, systems are very hard to implement from what I've seen, but they're so powerful. How do you get clients to recognize that they need help with systems and processes? Simply by showing them what they're losing by employee turnover. Because if they do not have that in place, so your office manager, let's say you're paying them between 45K and 65K and you lose them. I mean, that's that's around a $30,000 loss a year. Wow. So what percentage of income or revenue would you say the average dental office in your experiences is losing due to a lack of systems? I mean, if you see with a lot of dental offices, the front desk, so let's say it's a 25K job a year, 22K job a year, right? And they lose six staff a year of just trying to hire, hire people and then they come and they go. That's six times three. That's 18,000 right there. Wow. It's, I mean, it's intense and it's, it's very intimidating when you start looking at it and it's very gut wrenching. And listen, there's a few dentists out there that are phenomenal on the administrative and they've envisioned where they want to go. They've got the people in place. They might have a little bit of turnover here and there with their front desk or some of that, their assistants and stuff, but they have a good practice, you know, $2 million, $3 million, $5 million a year is running. So now, are they going to be doing that for the next 20, 30, 40 years? What if they want to sell their business? That's the other side of it. Get these processes documented, everything that you are doing right, what you are doing successful. Create your roadmap to success of how you want your practice to run. And then what happens is you now have that roadmap and you can either sell the practice or you can open three more practices. So I was working with I was working with a doctor recently and he opened two other practices because we put his roadmap in place. And just like when you go into any Mac store anywhere in the world or any McDonald's anywhere in the world, the burger is exactly the same. Right. Yep. So that's what you're doing when you're opening several offices. So, so that's for the great, great ones. So we're talking about dentists and systems here. So when you work with a dentist, who is typically your um, your ideal client for personal matters? Is it an early? Is it is it a startup office? Is it a more established practice where they may realize they need you more? Who is typically your ideal client? So typically, it is somebody who has already been in business for several years, and I'll take startups. You know, because that that's just very simple. It's just here's the roadmap. Let's do it. Let's implement it, and we can tweak everything. But I would say 95% of my clients are uh, dentists that have been in practice for a number of years. It could be five years. It could be 15, 20 years. A lot of them are 15, 20 years. And then they realize, wow, 15 years has gone by and I haven't seen the light of day. Uh, I haven't taken my family vacations. I don't have my money sitting there that I envisioned was going to be there. And there's got to be a road out, you know, so you spend all these sleepless nights worrying about how do I put a system there to run? It's really interesting because I have dental clients and I've met dentists who love dentistry, but they hate managing people. 
And because of that, they want to get out of the business. Yes. And you know, you see more and more of uh, management companies buying up practices and and then you give up 70% or, you know, 60% of your practice over to the management. And and now it's just, it's no longer what you wanted. I mean, dentists have to remember why they got into the business. Like my aunt was a dental hygienist, right? So she worked with dentists all the time. And I have surveyed probably five, 600 dentists. And Besides just loving the whole science of dentistry and helping people and bringing people who are self-conscious about their image, you know, going back to the purpose of why you started your own practice, a lot of them started because they want to do it their way, you know, and then so they are doing it their way by being in the mouth. So I kind of ease it up by going, okay, I'm going to help you put the systems in place so that the people that you hire are good they work with you well they're what you imagined it being and then now you have the the best of both worlds and you don't have to give up your practice because it, yeah. it never ends up great for them no, i i know numerous people who've sold a practice and there's always like a three-year earnout. and for those who don't know what that is that's they have to stay on for three years to earn the, the last portion of the buyout but i've never heard anyone say that was an enjoyable part of it no no because also now they're an employee Right. And uh, they don't like it. They don't like yeah. it. But go back to your dream. You know, if, if you can remember as a dentist, why you became a dentist and why you loved it. And we know that we don't know why they do this, but no dental school teaches you how to run a business. They just teach you the, the well, science and being a doctor. I, I would actually love to start going to the schools and just doing free seminars for, for these, these guys. Cause I mean, it's incredible what they do. It's 16 yeah. hours a day in there. Yeah, it's crazy because as a financial advisor, I work with a lot of dentists, dental professionals, orthodontists, endodontists, periodontists, all those people, oral surgeons. And so these people, they've obviously invested a lot of time and money and energy in their careers and they're great at what they do. But what I find is some of them have good financial skills. A lot of them don't. Some of them have good business skills. A lot of them don't. And so, you know, as someone who kind of sees the other side of the um, the other the side of the practice, yeah. you know, why would you say it's important for them to have a game plan for their future? Great question. That's a great question. Again, going back to why did you start this business and where do you see yourselves in five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years? You've always got to be setting up the future. If you're stuck in the present, you become very neurotic and like, what's happening? Where's this going to be? And you're, you're, you're never getting forward. So, you know, working with Ross and actually looking at your future and it all starts financially. It all starts financially because whether you can afford me or afford your lifestyle or afford to, you know, get in new equipment, it starts with the, the financial planning and looking at the future. Cause that's the first thing is they're looking at where you are now and where you're headed to and what your gains are. So, Obviously, uh, 2020 was a challenging year. It was. Uh, although most of my dental clients had their best year ever. You know, the oh, pent up- every one of my clients there there was a three months. Right, and, and then- the pent up demand. Ooh. So, and, and their 2021 is trending to be even better. Um, so, what do you see as some of the challenges of having a dental practice in 2021? The biggest is getting high quality staff and really getting them onboarded 
and wanting to be part of the team and be engaged as an employee because there are a lot of companies out there going, I'll pay you $2 more than the other company you're with because they're everyone's so desperate looking for good quality people. And what do we mean by good quality people? People who want to work. They have some honesty and integrity. But sure, you could stay home and, and, and vacation, but that all gets old. You know, within six months, all these people that are, aren't out looking for a job, their morale is going to be down. And we know what happens when morale goes down. So we need to make our workplace the best place to be. You know, well, people used to spend nine hours a day. Well, we were talking offline beforehand just about the hiring challenges with the, the labor support, uh, shortage and the sign-on bonuses at places you would never imagine a sign-on bonus at. And so obviously likely going to have to pay your staff more than you thought you were. But like you said, the culture is so critical because it's like, oh, I can make $17 an hour over here, but I can make $15 an hour here. And it feels like a family. So talk a little bit more about culture. How do you establish it? How is it important and how it's literally the glue that holds something together? Okay, that's a good question. You have great questions here, Ross. It's wonderful. I like talking to intelligent people. <laughs> so first of all, you know, going back to where you started, why you went into practice as a dentist, why you felt you should open your own practice, that there establishes your core values. And when you can imagine who is it, like who was your best friend growing up? Who were the the friends around you in your high school and in your college and, you know, associates in your first couple of jobs and who are the people that you clicked with most. It didn't have to be a best friend, right? But people that were on the same page. When you start looking at that and you go, this is what I want to create. And you imagine that type of employee working for you, not just filling a warm seat and you figure out what are your values and you start getting that trend in, that's where you're going to create the loyalty and the employee engagement. And it's the loyalty that you're winning over. Most people do not leave a job because of pay. They leave it because of the culture. So with that being said, what would be like the biggest thing a dentist who owns his own practice or her, she owns her own practice, what would be the biggest thing they could do that isn't necessarily about throwing a bonus their way, that to build loyalty? I would say really establishing with the staff the purpose of what they're doing. Why are they doing it? Because most people that, you know, you're paying 12 to 15, $18 an hour, their end result of that interview is to get a job. That's their product. I got a job. Their product is I'm going to go in and I'm going to work eight hours a day. And at the end of the week or at the end of two weeks, I'm going to get a paycheck. That's their product. That's the end result. So what you need to do is get past that and develop the purpose on why they're there. Why do they love being there? Um, most people don't go, oh, you know, I want to uh, just answer phones all day. But there's a reason, you know, they want to make somebody's life better. So you have to get, especially in the job interview phase or with their existing staff, start building their purposes on being there. And you definitely have to give some growth. Like there has to be somewhere for them to grow. Now, if, you're, if they're not going to necessarily grow in terms of their positions, 
then there's other ways that you can work that out. You know, um, you can get them additional education, continuing education, maybe get them certified. There's all sorts of things that you can do to offer to make your employees better employees and then stay engaged as an employee. And then the loyalty is built. So what's the worst thing you could do to kill or lose loyalty? Not trusting, not trusting them that they're going to make decisions, not trusting that uh, they're there for the right reasons. Micromanaging. Micromanaging. Yeah. So that's the trust factor, right? Now, how you avoid the micromanaging is by create by me creating these blueprints and really establishing what each role is responsible for, what their checklist of items are that they're supposed to be doing every single day, every week or every quarter. That documents the expectations. You have to establish the expectations in the beginning. And once they're established, they should be able to roll. And then you don't have to micromanage as long as they go, yeah, these checklists are truly being done. And they feel part. Everything's being done with them, not at them. So what advice would you give a brand new dental school grad? Run. No, just joking. <laughs> no, I, I would say the, the first thing is really go back to why you became a dentist. Look at where your heart is. And then we, you can sit there and you can create what your core values are and establish those. And don't, don't just go core values of a dentist and Google that and, and, and find something. Find it from your heart because when it's from your heart, it's sincere. And then everything that you build from there will be built from your heart. And that is what your patients respond to every single time is your heart. Well, that's fantastic. So you obviously give advice every day. Uh, what's the best advice you ever received? I would say from my father is treating people with respect is we're all here in this together as one. For whatever reason, we all have different ways that we manifest as human beings, but to really honestly believe in the other person. And if you can truly believe in another person, just because your heart's clear, you can create respect. And then that, that is just like a little drop in the ocean that ripples on out. That's, that's kindness. That's great. So I'm a big reader. So I like to ask everyone, what is either the best book you read or what are you reading now? Or what's the most recent book you've read? So I have uh, Ender's Game and Ender's Shadow. Loved those two books. Those are my great fiction books. Okay. So like I have a confession to make. The last novel I read was probably in high school. My daughter literally yesterday read two books in one day, both novels. Um, she makes fun of me all the time that I only read nonfiction books. So I have to admit, I don't read non I don't read fiction. I only read nonfiction. So I have no clue what those, those books are, but Hey, they sound great. They're phenomenal. You should, I mean, you become the character. They're very well written, but in terms of a nonfiction book, Atomic Habits. I actually oh, I'm reading, I'm reading that right now. Are you really? Yes. Absolutely love it. I I use this. I have I happen to have it here. Just it happens to be on the side of my desk. Um, oh wow! Absolutely love that. I've read it twice, and I'm in a very big growing phase myself. And you know, to look in and want to improve yourself, 
I think that's the greatest attribute that anybody could ever have. And that was, that was an incredible book. E-Myth also is amazing. Oh, that's good. Those Traction. Oh, yeah. Traction. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'm familiar with that Discovery one. Ranks. These are all the books that I've read in the last like six months. Oh, wow. Wow. Well, Lorianne, it has been super interesting to speak with you today. I want to thank you for being here. And I trust that uh, our listeners will get a ton out of this. Uh, Thank you. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you so much for having me. And I look forward to you having me again. Sure thing. Well, everyone, you've been listening to the Financial Flossing Podcast with Ross Brennan. We look to see you again next time. This has been another episode of Financial Flossing with Ross Brannan guiding dental professionals to a brighter future. If you liked what you heard, consider subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. For more on Ross Brannan, visit rossbrannan.com. Registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, OSJ, 3664 Coolidge Court, Tallahassee, Florida, 32311, 850-562-9075. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. California Insurance License Number 0L10073. Arkansas Insurance License Number 16139032. 2021-1195-35. Expires 423. That last part can also say 2021-119535. Expiration April 2023. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS, Guardian, or North Florida Financial, and opinions stated are their own. Ross is a registered representative and financial advisor at Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS. OSJ 3664 Coolidge Court, Tallahassee, Florida 32311, 850-562-9075. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. Arkansas Insurance License Number 16139032, California Insurance License Number 0L10073, 2021-122374, expiration June 2023. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.